McNulty standing for anyone to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bobby fans. Welcome to your forecast episode 158. Well, Pompey is still unbeaten at the moment. Joint top of the league. Is it too early to get excited about the Blues? General podcast today is Andy Mitchell. How are you, Andy? Hello, Bunce. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Really glad you re-recorded that introduction because the first one was dreadful. But uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> just giving full openness to the listeners. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, enjoyed Saturday. Uh, good win against Posh. And then just enduring the working week until the next one. That's essentially what life is right now, hey? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be kind of probably go a little bit smoother, wouldn't it, if I actually decided what to say before opening the podcast and just sort of making it up as I go along? No, that, that's entirely overrated. Planning is completely unnecessary from this sort of thing. Yeah, just just talking from the heart, I suppose. And talk from the heart and then edit out all of the, the cuts. Exactly. Just like we have to do there where you interrupted me. <laughs> talking about talking from the heart, here, bring in talking from the heart, Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? Hi, I'm not so bad. Love, love to be on again. I'm enjoying reminiscing that bit of that Peterborough game and enjoying a holiday. Thank God. So, so this week's been wonderful so far, really. Fred, how is the uh, the famous coastal sun-kissed town of York treating you? Oh, York's as gorgeous as it always is. I love walking around there. Pints are cheap. People are friendly. Love it as always. The Marbella of the North. Because it's not really, it's not, not really by the sea, but yeah, because it's yeah, that, central, I was, but yeah. I was firmly tongue in cheek there, Fred, just to clarify, I do have a some uh, geographical uh, knowledge. Jump off Lendl Bridge into the River Ouse, but no, but no, don't do that. Please don't jump off any bridges, Fred. <laughs> I wrote the fact that Freddie's now back in, in his room in York, uh, which, you know, good good memories for. And uh, I like the way you've got your lights turned off so we can't rib into your suspect DVD collection. That is literally off. not wise because two light bulbs in this room burst and broke and we don't have any more. So I've oh, actually got this one lamp on that works. Hugh, if you turn your screen brightness up, you can still make out the DVD collection in the back and the poster on the door. Um, I didn't know that Baywatch was still a big thing in 2022, Fred, but that is a hella poster. Interesting. Uh, 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 unless you think the Simpsons characters are in Baywatch, then yeah. <laughs> I mean, no that's, comment. That's, that's two, dif- two different views. So we'll let the listeners make up their mind uh, which poster's really on the back of your door. <laughs> but let's get started. So first of all, we're going to review the win against Peterborough. Following from that, we asked a question out to you guys and we said, is it too early to get excited about the Blues? And then we had Ian and Scott on from the Tykes blog to talk about the game approaching on Saturday against Barnsley. Right, that was the third time I had to say it, so let's go with it, boys. It was just about acceptable, that one. So let's flow into the Peterborough game. What a game to be at, number one. 
it was great to see everyone back down at the brewery before the game. Good excitement building. I thought the atmosphere was pretty decent again inside Fratton Park. Everyone was really up for this game. And unfortunately, we started a little bit slowly. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a pattern, but we start a little bit slowly. It's Peterborough come out and get the first goal. Freddie, it's a bit of a turnover there from Morrison at the back, but the pass is a little bit underratedly bad, isn't it, from Marlon Pack that lays the ball back to him in the first place? Yeah, it was a bit of both, really. It was kind of a hospital ball to Morrison, but it's a shame that he coughs it up completely. And then it was um cross penalty area passed by, uh, by Clark Harris, although it's Jack Marrier opened in the front on his own, slotted it for 1-0. 0.5 expected goal chance, so he just buries it completely. And yeah, um, not the best of starts because we're all very positive about Pompey and we all got ourselves up for this game. And it was the, the initial initial drop, but the atmosphere was rocking after going 1-0 down, which was brilliant to hear. And uh, thankfully, we we built on that um, not-so-desirable start. Fred, you're saying that chance from when the... I, I don't want to go XG too heavy too, heavy too soon... You're there'll telling be some, me the there'll ball, be some more XG stuff later, Andy. The Don't ball worry. at Marriott's feet. I've got a still of it on my computer right now. You're telling me that him taking a first-time shot from the six-yard box with only Sean Raggett on the line five yards away, that's an XG of 0. 0.5. 0.56, yes. According to Scout. Right, we're going to come add. back to that later on because I'm using that as my point of context for guess the XG because if that's 0. 0.56, any other chance is a lot lower. Right. Okay, good. Carry on. Sorry, Fred. Just wanted to clarify that. Well, Andy's raring to go on the XG already. I like that. It's just, it just can't help it now. As I said, he's playing it down, but he sat at the back of the fratten end with his clipboard now, just just trying to guess the XG himself on each shot that goes in. So I'll be interested to hear, Andy, what you think our total XG was for the game generally compared to what Freddie comes up at Y Scout. And maybe we can have a little debate on the, the Mitchell versus Y Scout data, data sheets, really, and see what comes up. I really can't think of many activities I would less rather do. So uh, we'll, we'll see. So we're under, under a bit of pressure after that goal. The fans try and rally behind the team a little bit to, to get things going. And Pompey ride this, the small storm that Peterborough put on us, I suppose, as such. And there's a, there's a chance at the back post of Ronan Curtis. And there's a little bit of debate online about this, Freddie. And we're going to go back to XG here because Joth put out a, a question there talking about what the XG for that chance was. And... Quite a few people are a bit like Andy Mitchmore over that outrage that it was such a low percentage chance. And because I think a lot of fans, and I, I've jumped up thinking that that was going to go in. And is it a shocking miss, Freddie Webb, or is I, it just an unfortunate? I, I, I thought header? from where we were standing in the stand, it, it definitely looked worse. And I saw the FOP mob statistic, which was absurd. I mean, my God, I didn't think it'd be that low. I think it was like 0.1 or something, which is just completely all over the place. Reasonable floated cross from Dale. Curtis's header, if you, if you look at the camera angle from behind him, it seems to me that if he could try and head it across to the far post, maybe. I'm not entirely sure if he can there because he had to stoop down a bit for it or or he had to head it straight and go near post, which is the way to go, really. But since you mentioned expected goals already, we may as well get it out of the way. Guess GXG this week is the Ronan Curtis header. So if you guys want to place your bets on what that figure is, then yeah, we'll see. I believe Hugh is 3 nil up in the standings already for those yeah. keeping track at home. And it's your turn. Oh, so graceful. And it's your turn to go first. Go for it, mate. Is it my turn to go first? I thought it was your turn to go first. 
it's Hughes, from memory, it's Hughes' turn to go first. I thought it was Hughes' turn to go yeah. first. Okay, so I'm going to go for a shockingly low 0.2 Freddie Webb. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this and how it being a headed chance really reduces the um, the likelihood of it being a goal. Uh, sort of halves the XG, I think, was what we said at half time. That was just spitballing. Based off that Marriott chance being 0.5, I'm, and the fact it's a header, I'm going 0.23 which is kind of what I had in mind. I was, yeah, but it might, oh, I don't care. Yeah, 0.23. Andy Mitchell's got his first XG point of the season, so it's now 3-1. That, according to Scout, which some people think their XG is good, some people, some people think it's nonsense, but there we are. There we so the expected goals... Oh, sorry, Fred, what was that about nonsense? Nonsense. <laughs> Stammer, maybe. Um, no, no, just me being very immature. <laughs> yeah, fair Let the man finish. Fair, you gave me victories. 0.36 expected goals for the Ronan Curtis header. Again, quite high for a header. Fairly close to the fairly close to the goal, which is probably why. And it was fairly open at the near post. And yeah, he sort of fluffed it really, which was a, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah, but but then Scarlet, Scarlet managed to clean up later on, so that, that doesn't really matter now, does it? I think on your comment there about the, the direction of the header, Fred, I don't think, watching it live with the speed of the ball in, I don't think there's any way he can really put it back across goal there from the angle he was coming in at. I think he did exactly the right thing in trying to head it near post. I don't think there was any option there. Just, yeah, as you say, the execution was off. But uh, thankfully, as you say, didn't make a massive difference. Got to say, I'm pretty shocked at that one. And, and shocked at myself and let down because I've already discussed this particular chance and the expected goals for it. So the fact I couldn't remember, I've I've really You've shot myself. Up. I didn't look it up. I, was just, I didn't know this was the chance. It was just a, it was a point of discussion on Twitter, Andy. So Freddie's actually used something that's been openly discussed, and unfortunately, I've still scored an absolute clangor of an own goal and then not remembered the figure. So there we go. Mate, you've slipped over and given the ball to Johnson Clark and, Harris. There, that's, I have, that's mate. <laughs> Appalling. Okay, well, with my zero research, I'm quite happy to uh, to get to get on the board. Well, I can say, gentlemenly, congratulations, Andy. Let's move on to the next next chance then. After Andy takes a three-one, you know, consolation prize. You know, yeah, you're right. There's only another what thirty-nine points on offer. The season's over, mate. Three-one down. That's it. Stop the count. But all right. So uh, anyway. Ronan Curtis has talked about him again. He also had another shot from outside the box that went sort of quite narrowly wide of the post. I thought that was quite unlucky. It was the right idea. Drill it low. Go across the, across the, uh, across the, into the bottom corner. Andy Mitchell, did you think that was a, a chance that, again, I thought it was the right idea, just not quite, didn't quite go in. And some people criticised him for it. I think, you know, on another day, that goes, what, a yard the other way and is a great goal. Yeah, I didn't see any criticism of that. If there was any criticism of that, it was very misplaced. Yeah, we were sort of, right in line with that in the fratten end behind it. And you could see from pretty much the moment it left his boot, it was going to go fractionally wide, but I would always want him to take a, take a pop from there, to have a pop from there a hundred percent of the time. Um, that's, I mean, I've lost count on how many goals he scored from that position on the pitch. So no, I didn't see any criticism for that. And I wouldn't level that myself. I think that's a bit crazy if there has been any. Yeah, there has, but luckily Star boys, uh, as Spurs fans call him, Dane Scarlett pops up with an absolutely beautiful finish and the ball comes off from a well-worked free kick, goes out wide, 
I was a little bit worried about the matchup there with Robertson at playing left back against Ward, who is, you know, one of the best right wing backs in the league. We've got four assists for them as well and umpteen amounts of key passes for them this season. So I was a little bit worried at that matchup. But Robertson's the one who picks up the lovely assist and he just plays a great ball into the box. That's why he started left back. There's some discussions in the stand. Maybe Morrison was going to play left back. Obviously not. Robertson plays a beautiful ball into the box. And what a header that is from Dane Scarlett, Freddie Webb. He just, it's like he sort of throws himself at it, but with complete control, which means that he gets the head and he just puts it straight into the back of the net before half time. It was a lovely forward run to be able to get on the end of that chance as well, getting in front of the defender. I think that's one of Scarlett's like big, strong points, which makes him think he could go as far as he wants in terms of being a striker, really. His movement off the ball and his runs in between the channels are excellent. And it was a free kick routine that just caught Peterborough napping, really. Um, Lowry playing the short ball to Robertson and then just one touch out of his strong foot, bending it into into the box. And yeah, I was worried about Robertson as well, but he probably had the second best performance on the pitch behind Scarlett. I think I thought Robertson was excellent defensively. And his delivery as well, especially for that cross with the assist, he won five out five out of his six aerial duels. He was a menace defensively and stabilised an area of weakness really well, and definitely play, played up to his bedding. I think that was a very, very, very excellent performance. And Andy says quite a lot about the team, doesn't it? Getting that goal before half time, which I think really changed momentum going into the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I think the. The atmosphere was still pretty good after going a goal down. And as, as has already been commented on, it was louder after we conceded, to be honest with you. But at the same time, you want, but well, you need to see some sort of reward for that almost. In, well, not in terms of you deserve a reward for cheering loudly, but the team deserved the reward for creating the chances on the pitch. And yeah, with those, I think it was the Curtis chance. I think there was another shot potentially from, I can't remember who it was, outside the box. They might have been both Curtis in the first half. I'm not sure. But um, there were two chances from outside the box, plus the header. You'd say that we deserve to be on a, a level playing field going into the break. And as you say, yeah, it gave us that momentum going into the second half where, again, similar to other games, I believe we were going to win the game, even though we were drawing at halftime. And then, yeah, came out and started pretty fast in the second half again, which has been a, a good re- uh, repeated skill that the team have shown I mean we we comment on how we do tend to start the first half of games a little bit slowly and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago I think and one of the listeners emailed in about it or tweeted in about it but starting the second half we traditionally do do pretty quickly now which is interesting but yeah we would we deserve to be level before half time sick ball in from Robertson who just to echo your sentiments did an outstanding job um, playing on the left and yeah deadly finish from Dane Scarlett that's that's all there is to say about it, really. And then moving on, I suppose, at 66 minutes, Danny Callie makes a substitution. He takes off Dale and Curtis and tries to freshen up the sort of wide plays. He brings on um, Rico Hackett, brings on um, Josh Kamora for his debut, playing for us as well. And then four minutes later, it's a really well-worked move. I think quite a lot of players have, have a touch on the ball during the team. I can't remember, maybe Freddie's got the stats for that, but... It's really nice one-two touch football, which we move the ball around beautifully. And um, Karama picks up the ball in the middle, pays a lovely little through, bu- through ball through for an assist. Four minutes after he comes on for Dane Scarlett. And he said has quite a lot to do in the box there. And he almost uses the defender as a sort of shield and, and plays it through the keeper for his legs. And the keeper's completely flat-footed and goes into the bottom corner on fire, 2-1. 
Yeah, that ball from Karoma, I don't think it's got the plaudits it deserves. Again, we were pretty much in line with it from behind. And I don't even think on the replay from the TV view, it does it quite justice. Um, it was pretty much threading the eye of the needle exactly where Dane Scarlett wanted to receive it with pace. So yeah, 100% credit to the the touch from Dane Scarlett to get it under control, get it out from under his feet and, and bury it. But as you say, the, the number of passes, I can't remember, I want to say like, Actually, I'm not going to guess because if Freddie has got the stat, I could look like a bit of an I don't have the stat, so we, we feel free to guess. It was something like 15 or 20, wasn't it? it was I a, thought 19. Uh, it was an unter- not- it was an un- uninterrupted move as well, and I haven't seen Pompey put together a passing sequence like that in a while. That was excellent. What was it, was it 47, 47 passes against Bournemouth except one interception in the middle? That's the one we always hold on to, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but, but no, that, <laughs> it was exceptional play. And again, like you said, great pass by Karma, but also the vision to dribble into the centre of midfield a tiny bit when he did receive the ball. He didn't panic and immediately look up. He waited in possession, which is excellent. And the finish by Scarlett was absurdly good because he had so much to do shifting it onto his stronger foot against the centre half. He looks as if he's going to be up there with some of the best strikers in the league the way he's going if if he continues on the rate that he is. And then again, we see the strength in depth that the squad's got. You bring on Piggott, you bring on, on Morel. I thought Joe Morel actually played a lot better in this game, closing players down. He won a couple of free kicks to close the game out as well, which I thought was pretty encouraging. And having that depth in the team, I think, really helped us close t- close um, helped us close the games out. It was a little bit squeaky bum time a few times, wasn't it? Had that chance at the end where Raggett sort of throws himself to the floor and uses his head as a, a sort of a block almost. And we're quite lucky that the referee sort of gives that as a foul. I'm not really sure how that was a foul from Peterborough to us in the box, unless you guys saw something that I didn't. But the boys closed the game out. 2-1 win. Very happy. And I think, again, we're a definitely better team in the second half. Yeah, um, just a quick point. Uh, Freddie, I think it was his weaker foot. He's right foot, isn't he? And he cut into his left foot. I generally can't remember, to be honest with you. Um, Maybe he's ambidextrous, I've no idea. No, I'm pretty sure he's right-footed and it was his weaker foot. Um, He was more impressive finish on the weaker foot than Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so in terms of of the chances we conceded late on, as you say, Hugh, that that foul we received for Raggett, essentially, I think it was Raggett, just falling onto the ball. It was a slightly squeaky bum time. And again, similarly to, I think it was one point last season, I looked at my my heart rate watch to see where I was at. My heart rate in sort of the 80-something minute was 152 which again, for context, is sort of between my cycling heart rate and my running heart rate. So it was in the aerobic exercise zone, even though I was stood completely, well, not stood completely still, but I certainly wasn't exercising. Uh, So yeah, I wouldn't exactly say I was calm, but looking back, I mean, I do actually think as well, we should comment on Griffith's save, tipping the ball around the post. That was an awesome save in uh, in the first half. I wasn't 100% sure if he got a touch on it watching live until the, the ref gave a corner. But that's a really, really good save that I think deserves to be commented on. But other than that, he didn't have any really advanced saves to make, which, yeah, again, that other than Raggett falling on the ball, I remember feeling very, very stressed out. But it wasn't as if we were being pelted with shots on goal and, and you know, we were relying on an absolute worldly performance from our keeper to stay in the game. So in hindsight... They managed the game excellently, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't yeah, in the aerobic training heart rate zone at the time, which uh, was probably yeah, quite yeah, good it was for a me. Stri- it was a strange performance by Peterborough, wasn't it? They, they looked very comfortable in possession, 
But when you actually look at some of their chances and so on, they didn't create that much. Jack, Jack Marriott just resorted to shooting from outside the area for most of the second half to a certain degree. And then as soon as they lost the ball, they didn't seem to know like structurally where all the players wanted to be. And probably we were able to exploit that very well, I thought. Like I said, they, they, they're definitely a very good team from what I looked at. And if, if Pompey were unlucky, the game could have gone either way. But I definitely don't agree with Grant McCann's comments saying the better, t- the better team lost that game because I thought that was nonsense. I think we've just got to get used to managers who, if, if we're going to have a good season, we're going to get used to managers coming away from Fratton Park and covering their own ass by complaining about X, Y or Z. We've seen plenty of it already. And if all goes well for us, we will continue to see plenty more of it. They are a good team and they, they felt threatening without actually being massively threatening. It was like, oh, they're playing well. In some point, they are going to create a moment of quality and it just didn't quite come. I mean, Clark Harris looked good for the looked good without being terrifying. I thought Rafferty did a half-decent job against him, but Clark Harris had him on toast a couple of times, but that's going to happen when you know someone like Clark Harris is starting up top against you. But on the whole, I thought they... They dealt with him pretty well. Marriott's game peaked after about five minutes and I thought he lost his composure and was a bit of a mess after that, to be honest with you. Um, I thought he had a bit of a, a shocker psychologically and letting his emotions get the better of him and getting into petty little scraps and it distracting him from his gameplay uh, until I, I think he got subbed off second half, didn't he? Yeah, it's, but they're going to be up there or thereabouts at the end of the season, I'd imagine. Similarly to us, I would hope. So come the end of the season that could be a really big three points because as you say Fred it could have gone you know it could easily have been a point each on a bad day that does go the other way when you, you know there's days where you don't take your chances and the away team smash and grab but thankfully not on this occasion lads interesting about talking about Marriott snatching his shots according to Opta he's got 5.67 shots per game which leads the league in shots per game so he does obviously just like to blast and he did one at the end as well one came to him it was in the side of the box and he just smashed it and it went over the bar as well much to the relief of everyone in the ground so I think that's something he's been doing all season and when it goes in it looks great but otherwise he's just sort of blasting away and I think the fact he's going to shoot in games just shows how well Pompey limited the opportunities where he was shooting from which meant they didn't seem that dangerous so yeah okay that's cool all right let's move on we put a question out to you guys, and a thanks to everyone who messaged in. We really appreciate it. It definitely does make the show, so keep them coming. We said Pompey are currently unbeaten in League One and tied for first on 17 points, even if Ipswich have a goal better than us in goal difference. Is it time to reassess what would be a successful season? Pompey Ryan messages in and says, promotion in any way, shape or form, would be successful. If we don't get promoted with this setup, I fear it will be a long time in League One. Andy, do you feel that it's going to be a long time in League One or is this a team that we could, in theory, roll out again next season? It's felt like a bloody long five years, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be honest already with you. Um, I've watched a lot of League One football in the last, what, four and a half years or so. Uh, I would agree that this is the strongest squad we've had in League One. And I think this is the best leadership we've had in League One. So off that sentiment, I would agree with the the tweet for sure. Uh, I'd try not to be sort of the flip side of it and be negative that if we don't go up, we're stuck here. I'm going to try and look on the flip side and say, this is the best chance we've had to go up for a fair few years, I think. And I'm just very pleased that we've got a squad on the pitch who are playing football that I'm enjoying watching, led by some characters who I'm really happy to be led by. And then 
focus on that positive aspect of things. Luke Dykes mentions in and he says, no, we all thought a top six finish would be a good season. We're currently outperforming expectations. But if we have a few injuries or suspensions and a little bit of bad luck, they could drop. The Cowleys have built a good team on a tight budget and need realistic fan support. Freddie, you thought we'd come ninth this season. Are you feeling that we're overperforming? And we probably are to a certain level, but is a top six finish a good finish for you? Well, I thought so. It, 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 it's entirely different to obviously where I thought we'd be. Um, a top six, top six finish. Statistically, we're doing very well so far. Overall in the league, obviously, the stats and the performance speak for themselves. The only real disappointing game was the 0-0 against Lincoln that we didn't exactly lose, did we? On the point about, oh, if we get a few injuries and suspensions that we could drop off, that could happen to any team. It doesn't matter how deep the squad is. If you get if you get a horrendous run with injuries or if you get the wrong suspension at the wrong time, you're going to drop points. It's just how it is. But that's exacerbated by the fact that we're already seeing two divisions within this league of teams where the good teams look really good and some of the dross teams look absolutely dross. So there's not going to be a lot of room for error. Um, I still think top six is good enough and I'm less worried about the playoffs under this management group and this squad if we get there rather than previous. There's a lot more character there. There's a lot more change. Uh, I feel like there'll be changes based to the opposition. And yeah, if we if we, if we we end up in the playoffs, then I'm less worried about it, really. 124 years of playoff hurt, ending incoming. That's exciting. Oh, Hugh, well, do you, yeah. Do, Hugh, do you think, you just said you thought we were overperforming. Do you think that's true with the squad we have now? Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know how our squad could really be much stronger in League One than it is. So, yeah. Do you think we're overperforming being second in the league at the moment? I don't think necessarily overperforming. I just think that we can't necessarily expect to maintain a, a level of performance where we don't lose a game. I think I think some people, are, I don't want people to suddenly think all collapsing when we eventually lose one of these games coming up. That was what my comment was. Invincibles, 2022-23, incoming, confirmed. Never Watch out, that. Arsenal. We're going to do it without poisoning anyone to try and get, try and yeah, get there. And without Pires diving, not that I'm at all bitter about it all. I mean, I've totally got over that. That's... <laughs> I still have nightmares about that Pires dive, so don't bring it up again. <laughs> oh, it's infuriating. But I think on the injury front, again, as Freddie says, everyone is going to get injuries. I think if you, you look at the squad, let's say you remove, let's say hypothetically, Dane Scarlett, Pack, and Dale or, or Raggett, or, you know, say one from front line, front from midfield, one from defence. It's a it's a very different feel to it. Um, I mean, you'd like to think that players like Bishop would, sorry, not Bishop, players like Piggott would come in and, and do a good job. So much of it is going to be injury dependent. So much of it, I think, this season. So the same, I suppose, about Wednesday with losing Bannon and yeah. Ipswich, you know, losing Chaplin and other players like that, Harness or whatever. I suppose, like, yeah, there's a lot of teams out there who lose their best players and they look a little bit different. But I do feel that when you... Even if you lose Pack, you put Morel in where we are now. You lose Raggett, you could probably play Morrison and, and Robertson at the back. And if you could bring Joe Piggott in and, and play instead of Dane Scarlett, then I think you've got a pretty decent team that can still push on and get results, even if it's maybe not quite as clinical. So, yeah, I'm pretty hopeful on that. Greg mentioned yeah. it and he says, I think we should definitely be looking at getting a top two spot. It's about time we got out of League One as the playoffs are a lottery. Really join the pod, guys. 
Thumbs up, especially guess the XG. There you go, Fred. Good man. And he looks impressed by that. He's clearly lying. So he's not. He's got a massively smiley face afterwards as well. Oh yeah, just, people uh, never just, people uh, never lie with a smile on their face. I've been watching true crime stuff this week. People lie with a smile on their face a lot. Greg, and not, not, I'm there. not implying that Greg is appearing on a true crime series and is a criminal. Although I'd be interested to know if you're a criminal, tweet us. I'm really interested to know what sort of background our demographic is uh, in our listener base. But yeah, Greg, I'm not saying you're a criminal. No offence, man. So, so, so what Andy is saying is if you see us at Barnsley away, just say how, say to us how much you love Guess the XG or, or your opinions. Andy will collate them in a survey. He's also a FIFA top 100 player, apparently. So um, Greg's obviously got some some techers and probably just appreciates data, oh, Andy. Top 100 what like in the world in the country in his town in his house like context needed greg hit us up up here forecast and let andy know the cynical bastard um <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> that's okay it was due um i think we we'll definitely get looking at getting top two look if we get top two we're all going to be having the summer of our lives aren't we boys i'm not sure my liver can take it if that's going to happen boys, but... if we get if we get top two i will learn to cartwheel and video myself doing a cartwheel to advertise the pod like whatever i'll actually i'm not going to do a gary lineker no one wants to see that but um yeah pick a pick a thing i'll be buzzing if we get top two. Oh, I, i'm gonna love this then please tweet us your suggestions for what andy should do if we finish in the top two at po forecast what we, should, what we should all do, all three of us. Yeah, thank you, Fred. Yeah, bearing in mind there's a cost of living crisis and I can't afford to lose my job right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Fred, what is it? What are we going to do? What all three of us? Oh, I, I, don't say that now. We can't tempt fate in this way by saying what we would do if we finished top two. I think We'll discuss it over the weekend, lads. Put, put some ideas together. No, I, I think we should bury it until the end of the season. Just yeah, no, but the thing is, Fred, if, it, if we wait till later in the season, if we wait till later in the season and it looks possibly potentially likely that'd be amazing then it's going to affect what we choose so while it's still a pipe dream and it's still i'd bet against it if i bet on football i'd still bet against it at this point then um we can have some more outlandish stuff like oh fred we could shave your beard that'd be fun why <laughs> or put patterns really? in it put patterns shave patterns in it patterns in it nah. yeah yeah we could take one cheek each you i'm up for it i'm up for it tell us if you like it people listening Pompey and Canberra messaged in and he says, I'm really encouraged. Not just from our league position, but from the way we've been playing. Coming back from a goal down to win games is a sign that maybe we've got what it takes to go up this year. Trying hard not to get carried away, but hopefully we'll stay around the top six. I I think that I'm quite on board with what Pompey and Canberra is saying. I'm also trying not to get too carried away. But it is difficult. Let's be honest, because we've not really seen this level of a roaring start and success for, for so many years that when it happens, all those doubts and stuff just start disappearing. You have to remember to plant your feet back solidly on the ground because for me, a top six finish is what we should be aiming for this season. Anything above that is beaut. We should be getting promoted if we can, but there are a lot of good teams in the league as well. So finishing in the top six is good. Anything above that is excellent. Agreed. Yeah, he said, he said something interesting as well, though, where the ability to come back from one goal down, for example, that's a massive thing. That's a massive thing. Do you remember that period where we didn't win a game after conceding the first goal for about, was it something stupid, like a you season and a half, and a half or two yep. seasons or something yep. ridiculous along those lines? And we mentioned that before. 
that Sunderland game on TV where we lost two, where we lost two nil, and everybody was shocked about it. And, and then we conceded in the first five minutes, and the game died. We may as well have gone home. Yeah, if I, I'm so glad that's not a thing anymore. And it says a lot to the the style of play on the pitch to be able to create clear cut chances and the character of the players as well, which is excellent. Yeah, and it all comes down from the management, I suppose, as well, to put credit the, the Cowleys on that one. But Alfie John meshes in. He says, when Tottenham fans said Dane Scarlett was a Harry Kane regen, they weren't wrong. His range of passing is pure class as well as his finishing. And if we can keep him beyond January, he could be key to us getting top two. It's not looking unrealistic at the current time. Dane Scarlett does have a recall clause in January, boys, as I said at the, at the start. Are we worried about him potentially doing so well that Tottenham recall him and stick him out on loan at someone like, I don't know, Uddersfield or some other random championship team and need a striker? Why would you want to break up a good thing for a player who's progressing? Why would you want to take him from one environment to another when he's performing really well, even if it is at a higher level? I don't know why you would want to change that continuity because it's... Dane Scott's young. He's got, he's got plenty of time. Man City didn't do, think to do the same thing with Bazunu, did they? They kept they, as, he was, as his performances were doing very well. They were growing, and they kept him in the same place. I think Spurs will do pretty much the same thing and just evaluate him next summer. Andy, you don't think we're losing Dane in January? Then no. <laughs> optimism, optimism is the way forward. Just discovered that the trip back from Sheffield this weekend is uh, four and a half hours with like bus replacements. I'm a little bit heartbroken. Sorry. Uh, no, I don't think that um, we'll be losing Dane. I think I don't see what Spurs get from bringing him back because even in unless he's scoring like one and a half goals a game, he's still not going to be getting a look in in the Spurs lineup. So unless they've got a dead set championship loan deal, which I'd, I'd be very surprised if they were even looking at that. They've got bigger issues at the moment. Well, not issues, but they've got bigger priorities, bigger fish to fry at the moment than that. I just don't think it would happen pragmatically, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think we would agree on that with them. Don't worry, people. Calm down. We've got Dane. The rest of the season. Sound clip it in February. Callum Penny messages in and he says, I think we should be aiming for a top six finish. The best squad we've had in League One, therefore the best chance of getting to the championship. Looking good so far. Long may it continue. Up the blues. Callum, like that, feet grounded, but still still getting the optimism out there. Appreciate him. George Slatcher messages in and he says, well, as we can all see, we basically got the League One um, Mbappe. So times are getting very excited. Feel bad for pigs who can't do anything to get in the first team at the moment. But this squad is defo good enough to be for the top two. And we have two world-class football brains at the helm. Up the blues. Well, that's a turnaround, George, isn't it, from, from last season? And I think it's nice to have this positivity flowing for everybody. Not sure about the League One and Bappe, but we'll we'll see how that how that pans out. Not putting too much pressure on the on the young lad, I suppose. What are you saying, boys? I was going to say Mbappe is a big comparison. <laughs> I'm fairly certain it's tongue in cheek, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Cowley's Cows messages in and says, no one expected this squad when talking expectations in the summer. Early season is encouraging with posh and Wednesday results building on expectations. We've at least matched two or three of the favourites. Can only base on seven games, but would say top four is achievable if levels don't drop. 
definitely achievable, isn't it? Again, it's just seeing whether it happens or not. And again, I suppose time will tell over those games. So I'm still in that middle ground, excited at the ceiling and, you know, at the floor, I'm trying to think of still getting a top six finish as a decent one. Yeah, I think top six finish is, it's got to be the goal. And then anything on top of that, as you said earlier, is like, you know, amazing if possible, but you don't win anything for being top after seven games or second after second games. You know, the season we got promoted from league or we won league two, we were top of the league for what, 28 minutes or something. And that end of the, on the last day of the season. And that was pretty much it. So I don't want to look too far forward. If I'm honest with you, they, they've done excellently so far, taking it one game at a time. That's what they'll continue to do. See where we're at after 35, 36 games and look at the running, to be honest with you. But at this point, I would still personally snap your hand off if you offered me, say, fourth. I'd still think that was a very good result for the season. And I might take some pelters for that. I don't know because we're second at the moment on goal difference from top. But I would still take playoffs at this point because it's such a competitive league and there are going to be big teams missing out on the playoffs this year. What other teams would you expect to be around pumping that top six then? Off the top of your head. I'm used to asking you the follow-up questions, Fred, not the other way around. Um, I do think... I don't think Ipswich are going to get automatics. I think Ipswich are going to Ipswich. And Whoa, that's a, that's a big call. Oh, well, they've been yeah, very yeah. good so far. They have been very good so far, but I do think they're going to do an Ipswich at some point. And even oh. if it's for five or six games... I think they'll make playoffs. I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff and come like 12th or something like that. But I think they're going to have a run of form that's long enough to cost them top two. I think Sheffield Wednesday will go up automatically, um, which is, a, again, maybe not the most popular shout right now because they just lost at home to, to Barnsley last weekend. I don't know, my top six, I'll put us in there. I'll put Ipswich in there. I'll put Wednesday in there. Argyle are going to drop off because they're Argyle. I think Peterborough will come top six. So that's four. And I will put one of Bolton and Derby, potentially Derby up there. And I still think Oxford United will rise up the table into the playoffs by the end of the season, even though they had a pretty shocking start. That's my call. I mean, I think, I think the other teams that I'm looking at, Ipswich, I don't, Ipswich, I don't see how they don't get it, at least in the playoffs this season. Yeah, that's they'll make playoffs. Absurd. That's yeah, they'll make playoffs. Absurd. Same with Sheffield Wednesday. They're probably my favourites to go up off the top of my head. I really rate Peterborough. They'll be up there, I think. Bolton and Derby both have a lot of weapons going forward and they play fairly effective, nice football. They've got a lot of weapons but, in the fan base as well, Fred. Well, well you said it, not me. Um, yeah, yeah so, I'm happy to stick by that quote. So, 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 that's, so that's five. And then... If Pompey finishing the top six out of those, that's brilliant. But then you've obviously got Plymouth Argyle. You've got free scoring Exeter City, who have got Giovanni Brown and uh, Nombe up front, who, and they just keep on scoring goals. Let's see, we can see how far that goes. And then I some mean, other teams as well. I didn't and include United Wickham there. I didn't even mention Wickham, did I? No, Wickham are dreadful. Um, and sound, then you look like at Cambridge United having 13 points as well. There's so, there's so many teams that are going to be in and around the top of this division that is going to be incredibly hard to predict by the end. Bristol Rovers? Incredibly hard. No, I, I, I don't see it myself. And there are some better sides. Oh, I other thought they were people. I thought they were going to be above Bristol City in two years or something, weren't they, apparently? I heard. Are they? <laughs> yeah, that's what Barton claimed. Dave Lauren messaged in. He says, yes. Yes, it is. The league is tough this year, but in my opinion... 
We've got the best squad we've had since 2011. Better than 2011, Freddie Webb? Ooh, some of the names in that 2011 squad, though. Friend of the pod, David Norris, as well. The Viking, Eric Husklep, in the, in the, in the centre of the attack midfield. Liam Lawrence. Was Marco Futax there, or was he, was he the season after? I can't remember. That was a name. He scored against Doncaster in one of my favourite games. Uh, no, that squad, a, was yeah, better. He, that, that squad was better. They had Dave Kitson up from. He was around on that season, Fred. <laughs> if Kitson plays with Pompey, so can I, Dave Kitson. Like it. Mm. Ashley Harris? Ashley, yeah. He, he mainly played more in the League One season afterwards, to be fair. Yeah, he was in the squad that year and then went to Moneyfields. Is that right? I think he's a builder now. It's overrated. Someone I think, he's, I, think he, I think he works in like the manual building trade now. No, and also Joel Ward was in that squad and I miss him dreadfully. He'll come back. All Palace fans think he's Palace through and through. Little do they know. Dean Preston messages in and he says, I still think top six is the target. We've been playing some good football, but there are some really strong teams in League One. Win at Barnsley, though, and it's HMS Piss the League. So, <laughs> love that. One Does game. he support York City? I swear that's that's all I've heard that from for, for years, but no, but now we're nicking that, so fair enough. I think HMS Pistol League has been around longer than sort of mankind, doesn't it? Cavemen yeah, were doing It started HMS. in York, apparently. York City started it. Anyone else who says it is copying the mighty York City. Is that right, Freddie? I, I probably wouldn't go that far. It's probably been around before, but that's where I most heard it around that time when they were failing in the National League North for years, but... Yeah. Words from our loyal diversity northerner, Freddie Webb, on the podcast there. Famous mm-hmm. northerner, Freddie Webb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Southern northerner, as I say. D- 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 decide for yourselves. Decide Southern for northerner. Yourselves. No one has started on Freddie recently in a in a bar or nightclub about his northern or southern background at all, have they, Fred? Yeah, yeah that, guy in the, that guy from Hull in the subway was really annoying, to be fair. I was in the subway, was it, afterwards? Yeah, it was in the subway. It wasn't in the, it wasn't in the bar, thankfully. That's it. Just trying to get the wrong toppings right. in his sandwich. Fred, wild. Fred just sort of responded a little bit, laughed, and then hit him with his foot long. So, um, yeah, I did, that ended the conversation. And the foot long was not his sandwich. Just put it out there. Yeah, I, just, I, I, it, I was making it, that it, as ambiguous. Just a caveat: no, no, no violence happened. No <laughs> violence happened. The, the, the bloke walked walked away like a coward. It's fine. We'll let the listeners decide what uh, what foot long Freddie used. Indeed, that's the message in, and he says, "I think it's important not to get ahead of ourselves." We've done that before and it didn't go well. Top six is definitely where we have to be finishing with a long way still to go. If we're still in this position after Christmas, then why not reassess, especially after the January window? I suppose other teams would also be adding players in the January window as well, which could change the dynamics slightly of that top six if people go out and add some players in January. I don't see us splashing a load of money in January. We've already sort of done most of our business in the summer you never know what can happen, I suppose. Someone gets picked up and we make a bit of a reshuffle. But some of those teams that say Andy's prediction of Ipswich dropping off out of the automatics come come true, you could see them spending a bit of money, couldn't you, to try and push them back up. But I think we're definitely right. I think we've covered what you're saying, but I do think there is still a long way to go. That is it, right? Yeah, it's, it is a long way to go. That, that essentially is it. Yeah, one yeah. game at a time at this point. I think this weekend... Against Barnley, Barnsley will be a good test of where we're at, similarly to the Peterborough game and the Sheffield Wednesday game. Lewis Pete messes in and he says, I think playoffs are still a realistic target, but we should always be aiming to win every game. And if we did that, we'd win the league. Shrug. 
I think Danny Cowley's actually spoke about this as well, that they're taking everything one game at a time and not focusing too much on it. That's the way you manage the good manager. And we'll just see if it comes out, really. So, Toby Rivers. Rivers yeah, you, ha- you have to think like that, don't you? Managerial is to keep everybody on side. You don't want to keep all the players carried away. You also need to keep the ones grounded that even though things are going really, really well, you have to reiterate them. There's a reason why they might, may or may not be playing. You've got depth players who would probably expect that to have more first-team football. Kieran Freeman and Ryan Tunnicliffe from last season playing a fair bit, but this season look nowhere near it. Um, not because of their performances, but they just look very far away from the first team. Rumours of Tunnicliffe still being linked to joining the A-League in Australia, even though I haven't heard anything. There's still going to be there's still definitely going to be a lot to do to keep this to keep this side level headed all the way until January and then the rest of the season beyond that. Toby Rivers has messaged in and he says the next five games will be a good measure of the squad. Obviously buzzing at the moment. Generally think top two is plausible. I think it's definitely plausible. So we have to see how it pans out. But I'm with you, Toby. We're buzzing for it. Let's keep this going. Nigel Rush messaged in and he says no need to reassess, chaps. I know you need something to talk about, but it's early in September for heaven's sake. Let's just be pleased with the apparent progress and keep our fingers crossed. Don't pander to the idiots who will start baying for blood if we draw a couple of games. Now, as soon as we lose this sad, I'm going to lose my temper. 100%. Boo. That's it. Final whistle. I'm making myself heard if we drop a single point. And when we do drop a point, when we drop a point, you are going to know about it. I'll be yeah. kicking off, lads. Freddie's got his eyes and his out banner ready for that moment. He's going to drop it out. You know, people could like snub, smuggle a flag into the ground. It's going to have like Danny Cowley's blue white army and he's just going to turn it round. It's <laughs> <laughs> going to say Eisner's out straight away. No, I've no got investment, it the, I, I've no passion. Got the, I've got it in the cupboard ready and waiting. I'm just excited. I, I know that Freddie secretly has been taking single pilot flying lessons just for the banner moment that he needs flying over Forest Green away with Cowley's out, coming out of the back on a banner, doing loop-the-loops above whatever the stadium is, the the vegetable stadium or wherever it is that Forest Green play. I'm looking forward to that, Fred. Mm-hmm. Got it all prepped, all planned. <laughs> Full-back full plan in case the flying lessons don't go well as a hang glider. <laughs> yeah, or a parachute. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the little one you sit on with a little engine on it? Yeah, yeah. Paraglide. Um, yeah, is it paraglider or like um, microlight? Is that what they're called? I, uh, my, my aerial aviation knowledge isn't brilliant, to be As honest. As opposed to your ground-based aviation knowledge, Fred. That, or, that also mean, that's, means little to me. <laughs> I, I can see it now, right? Hand glider, but one hand on the hand glider, the other hand with a smoke canister in blue, <laughs> just going along. <laughs> Sounds like something Boris Johnson would have done when he was mayor of London. Let's not go there. <laughs> you probably did, Fred, to be fair, but let's, let's not go there. Jim Mill messaged in and he said, had a listen this morning on my travels. Nice pod, chaps. Obviously, the window is closed now. So perhaps the next pod, you can touch on how the Cowleys work with Freeman and Tunney now in order to keep them relevant. I still think both are good at League One players and still good for depth. Freddie, let's start with you first, mate. What do you think about keeping Tunnicliffe around the squad? Obviously, we've got a lot of depth in centre midfield, but he still could be an important player, couldn't he? Especially some of those injuries kick on, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, he can definitely have some importance with the World Cup coming along. If Morel gets picked, and then with um, with Thompson still out, um, fixture congestion is going to be a big thing as well. I think Andrew Moon tweeted today that um, the match against Bolton on September twenty fourth might get rearranged due to international call ups, which obviously means if you push back that fixture, they're going to be more congested, more more Saturday Tuesday situations, and I thought. I've always thought Tony Cliff is a reasonable box-to-box midfielder. 
fairly solid at both sides of the pitch. Doesn't do that much spectacular, but he's a fairly reliable f- force in there. So if you want to hunker down a game, I would pick him over, say, Mingi, for example. But yeah, it's a, it's another good option. It's another good option. Freeman might not have as many opportunities being right back because we've got Rafty and Swanson. I think Cowley would prefer to play Swanson over Freeman if he's fit. And then I think Freeman played in one of the cup games midweek and didn't necessarily do a lot to put himself into the plans, I don't think. And he's been heavily linked away for ages, so I think his head might have turned a tiny bit. But yeah, it's a managerial conundrum. You have to keep your depth players happy. It's just how it is. Andy, what you're saying about Freeman, he's a really good option to have, isn't he, on the bench as a right-back in this league. And he, you know, I'm not going to worry about him having to play there if Rafferty gets injured, for instance. Yeah, for sure. I think, to be fair, I thought he did a professional job in the cup game that he played. And obviously, the most memorable thing is, yeah, his penalty got saved. But at the same time, I thought his performance in extra time and in normal time was really professional, considering how heavily he's been linked with the move away from the club and the fact that he knows he's not going to be in the first team, like first choice plan. I actually thought he did a really professional job in the side in a performance that wasn't incredibly fantastic, all things considered, against a lower division team against Crawley. Uh, But yeah, I think he's a good player to have as a right-back option. I don't mind if he doesn't go to the A-League and sticks around. I think he had a bit of a rough time of it at Pompey when he was being used in the right centre-back position. And I don't think it played to his strengths. And I think that probably would have knocked how he was feeling about football at the club, potentially quite fairly. But yeah, he's not going to be a starting. And I agree that potentially Swanson would be the preference just for getting some experience. I imagine that when he came to Portsmouth, he was wanting to get some minutes. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have left having a you know potential future gig at Arsenal. So he's one to develop, one for the future. And it sounds like Freeman probably isn't going to be here for the long term. So yeah, I'd imagine Swanson would be sort of second choice with Freeman third choice. And yeah, similarly for for Tunney, he's a professional footballer and people talk in football, you want a decent you want a decent reputation. So he's going to be carrying on professionally. And, you know, if called upon, I'm sure he'll do his thing. But I don't think unless we have an injury crisis he's going to be doing a huge amount around the first team. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, him announced in the Aussie League in the near future. All right. Thanks to everyone who messaged in. Really appreciate it. Keep them coming. And if you guys can hear in the background some sort of storm, I seem to be in the middle of a thunderstorm at the second in time. So if it's not too loud on the microphone. Now I know, Andy, that you can actually be killed by lightning in this country. I thought that was just a thing with aggressive lightning elsewhere, not realising that me going to play basketball outside in the pouring rain is not a good idea. So isn't all lightning aggressive? Yeah, well, yeah. I just didn't really think about it too much here, really. So I've just been heading out, you know, throwing some hoops underneath a giant metal metal uh, stand, you know, in the pouring rain. Apparently that's not a good shout. I quite like that we're doing a different topic every week. Last week we had Oxford as a tourist hub and this week we're going down the meteorology route. I'm a big fan of that. But, I mean, you say you were playing basketball. Let's be honest, you're worried about the lightning because you are officially now a middle-aged white man and have felt like you need to take up golf just to really identify with other middle-aged white men. Is that what's happening here? I don't actually like golf, unfortunately, for those golfers out there. I, I find it quite frustrating. Sports I like playing are sort of more 
high intensity. I like playing, you know, football, rugby, etc. So then games I can cheat in a bit, you know, get stuck in there. Golf, on the other hand, it's just about standing around, really, isn't it? And uh, using it as an excuse to go away for the weekend. And I've got that already with you guys. Uh, but but have you played foot golf before? No, None what is foot golf, Freddie? It is literally football and golf combined together. And there are literally courses that are set up like golf, but with football. It's pretty common. Yeah. You have a that's massive hole and you've got cool. to kick football towards. That's, that's more likely. I could play yeah. that. I mean, well, I, won't, I won't have the, the, the free cut I had when I played crazy golf before and it wasn't worth. Oh no, it's pitch and putt. And I realised I was rubbish at it and ended up just throwing my, my club away and going to have a pint of beer instead. So yeah, golf isn't really my thing, Andy. I've heard that golf is kind of like whiskey apparently and that you just wake up one day when you're getting like older. Don't know if that's the right phrase. No offence to anyone that likes golf. I actually quite enjoy the, dri- the driving range because, you know, anger. Um, but yeah, I've heard it's kind of like whiskey. One day you wake up and you like it. And I'm very pleased to say I've not reached that age yet. Or I've... I say age, it's probably not about age, it's about maturity and actually being a real adult and I haven't quite reached that yet. So at some point, give it 30 years, PO Forecast episode 1492, we can do with a decent 1955 whiskey from the golf course. But um, yeah, I'll wait for that with with interest. Until that time, we'll be hammering out in Sheffield for the weekend and uh, hitting the bars. So uh, that's where we are. Um, Let's talk about this in a second. Let's get on to the guests we've got waiting to talk to us. So we spoke to the guys from the Tykes blog, a Barnsley site and podcast. And we discussed the game coming up, the summer, some of the frustrations they have for the transfer window. Obviously, there are a lot of players leaving and financial constraints, but also the bounce back win against Wednesday and uh, drawing away at Ipswich. So here's the boys from the Tykes blog. All right, I'm here with Scott and Ian from the Tykes blog. And boys, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very welcome. Thanks for for inviting us on. Yeah, nice one. So, as I mentioned to you guys before when we were recording our podcast, this match means a lot to me. It means a lot more than any other Yorkshire team out there because we're playing Barnsley, the team that I predict the results for weekly, as people who listen to the podcast will know and have a lot of Barnsley fans around me. So I'm having a lot of stick. But let's start off at the beginning before we get to the game. And I'll go to you first, Ian. How do you feel the transfer window went in the summer? Because you lost a lot of good players. They went out Britain, Morris, um, to name a few. Do you think you've replaced them adequately? No, in a word. Um, we always we always knew we were going to lose the likes of Collywood, Drill, Carl Morris, Callum Styles, Mikel Hellick. They were the main four. Uh, we had this eight million... Uh, pound black hole, so to speak, from from COVID and relegation that we had to sort of get back. So we knew, we, and, and those players were never going to want to play in the third tier of English football either. Uh, so we knew they were going to go, but unfortunately, we're skint. We haven't we haven't got any money. So we've I think I think there's one player we've signed on a fee, but the rest have all been. I think we brought ten in, and there's a couple of loans, and the rest have all been free transfers. Which, to be fair. We've done really well with the free transfers. Nicky Cadden from Forest Green, uh, James Norwood, uh, Luke O'Connell. Um, we, we've done quite well, but in terms of the calibre, yeah, I mean, you look at Carl Morris, he's scoring for Luton already, isn't he? So it's been a bumpy one for us, to be fair. And But I'm, I think we're just glad it's closed now and let's get on with the season. I was going to say about Luke O'Connell, because he was highly rated from what I've seen of him at Celtic. Um, yeah. Definitely fits the mould of... 
Barnsley's recruitment philosophy of going for you know like younger players with a bit of seething, doesn't it? Is it nice that they're able to get those players in, even if, as you say, yeah, the, the club's a bit skint? Yeah, they've done. To be fair, that the positive has been that the club have managed to recruit um, Conor McCarthy, Robbie Cundy from Bristol City, some some good players who are on free transfers that other clubs, Championship clubs, were looking at, and we managed. Managed to convince them to come. And I know when Luke O'Connell was at Bolton before he went to Celtic, I spoke to a few uh, Bolton fans and they said he was a really good prospect to Bolton. Yes, he was in um, a really, when they were on a, in a really bad uh, set when Parkinson was manager and they were going, you know, they nearly went to the wall. But in that, they had really good. Uh, they thought he was going to do well. Then he went to sell ticket. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. But we, we, we think he's a great signing for us. Scott, just going to you quickly, Michael Duff's a manager that I think we all rate quite highly here. He's done really well when he was at Cheltenham and I've, I've sort of rated him as one of the, the better managers in, in the league. But what are your feelings when Michael Duff came in? with the fans you know, taken by him as a managerial choice after some sort of dodgy, patchy luck you've had before yeah. after Ishmael? Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like Duff was a blessing, to be fair. Uh, some of the names that were getting thrown around. Uh, you know, there was big names in there as well. You know, Warnock coming back out of retirement was an interesting one that I wouldn't have been too upset about. Uh, to be fair, I, I said that I wouldn't, I would, I'd like him to come in. But uh, having looked at Michael Duff closer and, you know, I've, having seen how he's sort of taken to this league in, in with Cheltenham and now with us, uh, it's very promising. It's very promising. And I feel like, I feel like the club could have done more to help him this season. I feel like the transfer window probably wasn't the best for us. But like Ian said, you know, there's a shortfall that we needed to make up. Players didn't want to stay at the club, which with Barnsley, we tend to be this, we tend to have this sort of like reputation of if you come and do well, uh, there's always a way further up the the table and the, the pyramid, which is a blessing and a curse because usually what we end up finding is players will sign for us but there's usually a release clause and that's the same with managers as well. You know, we had it with Ishmael and, you know, we're, we are a business at Barnsley and uh, I think that we sort of know our place in the sense of we, we understand that we have to sell players to progress. We understand that we have to develop these players and sell them on. Does it make it easier every time it happens? No. Uh, you know, getting promoted back to the championship, having a good go, getting to fifth and then, not not putting more funds in to try and cement that position. Uh, a bit disheartening. But, you know, with Michael Duff, I feel like it's a long-term project and I'd like to see him get plenty of, you know, a fair couple of years, three, three years, something like that. Listen, he he needs time to build that squad to what he wants and I feel given resources and time, he'll it, do well for us. I, I, I do like that appointment. Ian, based off off what you said there about the transfer window, can you just talk us through essentially what expectations were for this season and how things so far have have matched up to those? Because you've got a, a wonderfully symmetrical one three drawn one lost three so far this season. It's upsetting to me that that's going to change because I'm a bit funny with numbers. But yeah, how has the season sort of progressed for you compared to where you expected it to be at this point? I think I wrote something at the start of the season about expectations and I think most people were probably thinking it's going to be a transitional season and some saying let's, some fans were fearing another a double relegation. They were really doom and gloom um, before 
um, the summer came really at the end of last season. So I think most were seen transitional top half. I thought if if we had a better transfer window, we could have been pushing that sixth spot. Um, but I think I think to be realistic, hand on heart, I think if we say around tenth, twelfth, we probably say not a bad start. We're not going to do what we did in 2017 when we had Daniel Stendhal, when we bounced straight back and got 90-something points come second behind Luton. Because we had Kiefer Moore, we had Ethan Pinnock, we had such a spine of a team, Alex Mower. Um, we don't have that spine of the team. It, it, so I think, realistically, top half, but we won't be probably pushing for the playoffs. Looking at how you played against Wednesday, you got a big result against rivals 2-0 way at Hillsborough obviously that's going to get some confidence that's now unbeaten in two games as well we're looking at how you set up you're playing a formation which you know compared to Pompey you're playing a 3-4-1-2 formation and you like to get the ball quite wide and play through that that way how do you think Barnsley can use that in the game at home because I'm guessing you're going to start fast you know off the back of that win and try and implement that how should Pompey expect you to come out against us at the start of the game well, I, I I think certainly with getting a, a point at Ipswich and then winning at Sheffield Wednesday, confidence on on, on the pitch and then the terraces will be quite high. We do tend when we play when we play well, we do tend to start quick, um, and I th- think we'll probably come out of the traps quite quick. It's how you probably handle that first 15, 20 minutes, um, and I think we will. We want to get the confidence is high players will want to get on the ball and will want to play how we we like to play it's how we then manage the game if it stays nil nil for a long time or we go a goal behind that'll be really interesting because I've got this bad feeling that we're a bit Jekyll and Hyde at the minute because we've not settled down players are bedding in still and we had a great 90 minute performance against Bristol Rovers a few weeks ago absolutely played them off the park one three nil uh, we went then straight into the back of another home game against Wickham thinking, great, they'd lost about three in a row, licking our lips and they just battered us and we lost 3-0 and it was, and they just went physical, long and we just couldn't cope with it. And I, and I wonder whether it's going to be a bit of an after the Lord Mayor show kind of performance. I just hope we can kind of get a goal early on and settle down because expectation will go through the roof. But certainly expe- I'd like to think you'd expect a, a fast start from us on, on Saturday. Scott, what's the uh, the crowd at the Oakwell like uh, at the Oakwell Stadium like? If let's say that that fast start doesn't translate into a goal, is it a stadium that can get frustrated, or is it fairly fairly supportive? Even if you haven't got a lead by say half time, sixty five, seventy minutes at home. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like we are quite a supportive fan base. To be fair, um, it's a shame because Oakwell, you know, when it does get a lot more people in it, it's quite a special place. Uh, I would say that, you know, being a fan. <laughs> but um, I, I, I do feel like we do support the team pretty well. Uh, now, if if the team aren't giving maximum effort, that's when I feel like you tend to see a change in Oakwell. If you can tell that players are just really not giving maximum effort and giving up and not chasing the ball and not pressing... It can, it can, and it has already this season. Wickham was pretty, pretty horrible, to be fair. So it can, it can definitely turn, turn pretty nasty on on the players. However, uh, as long as the the efforts there, even if we're losing, 
and the, that effort's there, you tend to find that the the fans are really loyal to the team. I suppose it's similar to to most teams, isn't it? You want to see them give give their all for the club. You know, it's the club you love, it's the club you support, and if you feel like there's somebody playing football in what's essentially a privileged position, isn't it? Everyone dreams of playing football, especially fans. If they're not giving maximum effort to try and get that result, then you you do tend to get that bitterness towards them. But uh, but no, I, I do feel like it'll be interesting because Pompey's quite a threatening team and uh, we tend to do better when we score first. So if we don't get, if we start fast and we don't get that first goal within that first, let's say half an hour, I think we'll, I think we'll have a poor game. You've mentioned, you guys have mentioned already um, good bits and bad bits of the side, almost that, that Jekyll and Hyde mentality. What is the strongest part of this squad and what is the weakest part of it in terms of how they play and tactically they're set up, do you think? So I, I'd say our strongest part is definitely central midfield right now. You've got Cadden, uh, Thomas and Benson. As long as they're all fit, I feel like we will always present a threat. Now, we our formation should, like, because obviously Pompey play 4-4-2, so I'd like to think that that formation's quite a good formation against Pompey because your midfield's pretty strong as well. So I think that extra extra man in center, central midfield to get it out to the wings, we like to try get it to the wing backs to get it in. I feel like that's somewhere that we could probably try and exploit. Now our weakest element, I think every Barnsley fan would agree this season, is definitely our forwards. Having sold all of our goals, essentially, you know, we sold uh, Morris Woodrow. Uh, then you you like Ad- Adebayo, he left. Um, so we. T- <laughs> We're a bit panicked, I'd say, uh, up top, and we're waiting for somebody to um, to come out of the blocks and and take on that uh, responsibility of becoming that goal scoring threat that we need. I think if you spoke to any Barnsley fan, they'd be a bit they'd, they'd be honest and say they were a bit distraught after seeing that we didn't bring in a striker on that deadline day. Um, then we sort of thought, well, who's available on a free? And you know, it, it sort of sent panic down down uh, Barnsley fans. So I'd definitely say up top is our weakest point right now. So no, be rates James Norwood or Devante Cole then? No, well, I think we do. We do rate. So the thing is, I, I definitely rate James Norwood. I've seen what he's done before. Uh, I think the issue is he's not finishing a game yet, um, so he's not fully match fit. Um, when he's come on, and he's been restricted for chances. Like every time I've been to the game, he doesn't seem to get enough chances and, he, and he's running into good positions and stuff like that you can tell he's a good striker now he needs a couple of goals to get that confidence going and he, he seems confident enough but he seems frustrated uh, every time he's playing like uh, I think that red card pretty much sums it up that when his frustration gets going um, it, it takes over he loses his head a little bit uh, Devante Cole is an interesting one because uh, I said quite early in the season that dare I say put Devante Cole on instead of uh, Norwood uh, because of pace uh, he'll always be a threat with pace uh, I, I just feel like his finishing is pretty poor I feel like when he does have a shot um, even that one against Chef Wednesday if you look at it it bounces what like seven times before it goes in you know it's not a very like powerful finish now it's a good finish of course it is because a goal's a goal but um I do rate him. It's just obviously he needs to start and get more, more, uh, f- more finishers basically because there's no end product. 
currently, and that's that's the issue. I probably concur with that. I think we haven't got well. We did have, but we've sold them. A, a striker who can score you fifteen plus in in this league. Um, Devante Cole's probably most he's ever got in a season. He's eleven at Motherwell. He is his finishing. I think. I think he's, I've seen signs of confidence with him. I think Duffy, Michael Duffy's working with him, and he's making runs now. Like the, he made the run for the goal at Wednesday that he would never have made last season. He's a confidence player. He's got to be playing every week. Norwood isn't match fit, um, and if he starts, he'll he'll be hooked off after sixty, or he'll if he's on the bench, he'll come on for the last thirty. Um, I think our biggest strength is we are a team. In terms of like um, team spirit, when we've played well, it's been very difficult to name a man of the match because all, all right from the keeper right through the team, we've been nines and tens, and it was the same on Saturday. It was the same against when we played well against Bristol Rovers. I think we're building a really good team, effort. and if if we can, whoever comes up up against us when we do click are going to have to run that bit further, that bit faster and work that bit harder because we will we will um, run for 90 plus minutes and we will, they will, as Michael Duff said, he wanted to put sweat on the shirts this season and they've certainly done that in games. So I think we're, we're building that real team ethic and t- uh, team spirit. And if anybody said to us, who's your standout player? We don't really have a standout player who's a danger man. Our danger is the fact that we can be such a real team unit right through the team like we were on Saturday. So if you say you're going to be running for 90 plus minutes, that's fair to say you're not going to start time-wasting after 14 minutes like Peterborough did last weekend. That's good to know. Um, I just wanted to just wanted to ask about Herbie Kane um, a little bit out of the blue, but I can see he didn't start the last game against Wednesday. I'm just slightly interested in him because... We were briefly linked with him, I think, when he was finishing his loan spell at Donny a couple of years ago. And it's a player that I don't know if we, you'd say we missed out on him, but he was on the radar for a while. Uh, just wondering how he's getting on as someone that is sort of a could have been for Pompey. I think with, with Herbie Kane, he went out on loan, didn't he, last year? And he had a really good season in League One. And then he, he had essentially a horrendous injury, didn't he, at the end of the season, which has just hampered him. And then he came, he managed to get back fit and then he got another niggle. I think he must have aggravated it and then he went out again. And then that him going out has essentially presented the perfect opportunity for Connell, who I believe would have probably been on bench at the start of the season for, for Kane because, you know, Kane has proven that he can do it at this level. Now, I feel like for Kane, he's quite unfortunate now because our three centre mids have really come out of the blocks at the start of this season and have all performed really well. So it's sort of like who do you who do you take off for for Kane? Because you know Benson's scoring goals and he's getting assists. Connell's getting his assists, and then you've got Luke Thomas, who's a, the engine of the team right now. It, the the amount of running that he does, uh, and to be fair, Connell puts in an absolute shift. And then obviously Benson, you've got the attacking threat. So it's sort of like who do you take out for Herbie Kane? I don't feel like he's a bad player. Uh, I feel like he's a good player, to be fair. Um, but it just sort of shows right now the strength that we have got in those positions, which is quite nice because we, we don't tend to have strength in depth in a lot of positions. So it's quite nice that in central midfield, uh, where you'd say was one of the most important positions, um, it's quite nice to have that depth. So, yeah, I feel like Herbie Kane 
will get more game time throughout the season and then only time will tell, I suppose, if he comes back as strong as he did last season. All right. Yeah, I, get... I've, I've not... Sorry. No, go for uh, just, it. just on Kane, just briefly on Kane, I, I don't think I've really seen this true Herbie Kane. Uh, we, we were hearing great reports last year at Oxford and he was, he was winning Player of the Month or Man of the Match. We've not seen it here. He's had a very stuttered start through injury. So I suppose... Um, Jury's out a little bit with Kane for me. Um, I think he, he's got the potential to be a good player, but we just haven't seen it. And he's he's going to have to, he will get his time because there's so many games in this this season. But uh, yeah, we're not really seeing it this season with Kane. All right, the battle for central midfield is on then with our centre mid versus yours. <laughs> Let's get to the little juicy bit, and I'll fire back over to you, Ian, and say, what is your score prediction, please, for the game on Saturday against Pompey? Um, I have a, a, um, a bad feeling that we, we've had two good away performances and the pressure now of being at home. And, and I've seen the highlights of your, your, your win over um, Peterborough last weekend and I've seen that, you know, your top scorers in the division. I, I think this is going to be a good yardstick for us to see where we are. Um, I would, I'm going to go 1-1. Go on then, Scott. Tell us your, your score prediction. Yeah, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I honestly feel like it's going to be a ball draw. Uh, I just feel like there's so much built up for this game. Like Pompey's got so many goals. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like that we'll sort of sit back a little bit more than what we probably would have normally. And then because of the, I'm, it sounds really bad, but hopefully a draw. So more draw from me. Ball draw. That's going to be worth the weekend away. But. <laughs> yeah, it's just ball draw just so that you lads have to travel all the way there. And just That's right. Bunt is going to be so hungover he won't. Bunt will be so hungover he won't even be able to watch the football. He'll be head in hands for the entire 90. So absolutely atrocious who was the one with his head in the hands at Sunderland away at Weatherspoons two or three hours uh, I got my head up for the game I wished I hadn't but I did <laughs> uh, alright um, Ian tell tell everyone where they can find you and Scott so um, our blog Tykes blog is on Twitter the handle's Tykes underscore blog um, it's on Facebook as well we uh, predominantly do written articles but we start doing a few podcasts as well so um, just search Tykes blog and you should be able to find us alright boys thank you so much for coming on the podcast and good luck for the rest of the season oh actually one last thing where can we go for a beer in Barnsley send it to the mount no don't go to the mount yeah don't go to the mount I've heard from John Parkin, Barnsley native, that Wellington Street was good, but I have no idea if it is still or not. Probably town centre in Spoons, isn't it? That's where everyone likes to go, isn't it? <laughs> well, Andy can be there with his head in his yeah, hands. I think All right. kick off. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie loves um, Jaeger bombs in uh, in a weather spoons. This is yeah. <laughs> that's that's breakfast in the web world. So we're lovely. Off. Always. Yeah. After he's had his after he's had your ceremonial tequila to start off the night, oh, right? No, nah, not the tequila. Day. Not night, mate. Start off the day. That's it. <laughs> yeah, what's it? A burger, <laughs> shot and burger. No mm. weather spoons. Mm. <laughs> All right, boys. Thank you so much. Good, good luck for the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Yeah, good luck, guys.
Nice one. Not that's a lot. We'll see, boys. We're seven games in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, lads. Are we feeling quite positive, boys, about this game against Barnsley? There was a lot of things banded around, you, you know, draws or, you know, their good form, but also the sort of jackal and hideness of the team that necessarily winning a game doesn't mean they're going to bounce and, and continue this run. But, Andy, are you feeling that Barnsley are there for the taking? And my one takeaway was this. Barnsley are going to try and start fast. And we started a bit slow recently. So if we can weather the storm making another little storm joke there are we going to be able to to bounce back and get another win away at oakwell God, such a such a witty play with words there good job man uh, <laughs> uh yeah so it's an interesting one actually yeah what you've talked about there the sort of the team styles and opposition whereas they team where they seem to start fast and we seem to start a little bit slow yeah that's that's a slight concern right but if you can weather that storm to steal your phrase I, I don't like the phrase there for the taking. I don't think in League One there are many teams that are there for the taking. I don't think Barnsley are there for the taking. I would take a point from this game and, I mean, condition dependent, you know, if we're 3-0 up and then concede three in the last four minutes, then I'm going to be slightly pissy. But before the game, I think a point would be a half-decent result because... That we can't come into this game saying, oh, they've had two good results back-to-back against teams near the top of the league. Therefore, we're going to take them because they're due a bad one. Uh, I mean, if we'd said that about Luton Town the year they won 27 in a row or whatever the hell it was to get promoted, then uh, they were really due a bad one by the end of the season. So it doesn't always work like that. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be quite content with a draw. I think it would be a good result. Uh, obviously, before I've seen the match, that's very easy for me to say. But... um they're not a bad side. And I, I've i always really rated Devante Cole. So I was surprised that, that he's not as seemingly well-acclaimed up there because the last few seasons I've had him again on the radar alongside players like Colby Bish as players I really wouldn't mind at, at Pompey. Isn't Devante Cole the player that was like <clears throat> splashed by all those sort of transfer rumour sites all over the internet for a whole summer that he was coming to us and then obviously didn't happen, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, been, he's been linked with us. He was sort of the sort of the more recent version of Ruben Reed in every transfer window for a few it was oh he's going to come to Pompey oh, no 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 so it's quite interesting to to see what he's up to and he scored an incredible goal against Pompey at Fratton Park when he was playing for Fleetwood it was like a, it was like a volley from outside the outside the area to make it one all but then we smacked them uh, afterwards and then kind of went off the radar a bit afterwards had a few friendly mediocre moves then he, they did a bit better at Mavoir. Then the strange transfers of Barnes in the Championship, which looked odd at the time. But but hey, I still think he's a reasonable striker. He's not going to pull up any trees, but he's certainly not bad by any means. Sound bite there. He's not going to pull up any trees. When he scores a brace, we'll, uh, we'll clip that in at the start well, of next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> Right, boys, is there anything else you want to talk about with Barnsley before we go into the score predictions? Freddie Webb, start there, with you. There's a couple of interesting stats with Barnsley, just looking at the leagues already. Um, they've got the lowest crossing accuracy in the entire league with 28.2% accuracy, which is quite strange. And they've also got the lowest defensive duel win rate as well. So duels when they're out of possession, 56.8% accuracy as well. So it seems that they're gettable in a sense of um, if you harass their defence by pressing, that seems to be a good option. 
And I think most of their chances are probably going to come from passing the ball on the floor in and around the final third, using players like Jack Aitchison to uh, to try to try and free up gaps up there. I still think they're a fairly reasonable side. I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means. Um, I'd also hope Wells are fairly difficult stadium to go to. But yeah, but it seems like Pompey, Pompey's on a wave at the moment and I don't see them losing this game, really. All right, let's get into this juicy bit then. Annie Mitchmore, I want to know your score prediction for Saturday. Are we going to have an amazing weekend on the back of a win or is it going to be a drowning our sorrows on the Sunday slash Saturday night? Well, as someone who's leaving on the Saturday evening, I'm going to be just drowning on the Friday night, hopefully just in alcohol. I hope that doesn't age badly if I like fall in a river or something. Are there any rivers in Sheffield? Who knows? Anyway. Punter punting or something like that. <laughs> no, um, I've learned my lesson by watching watching people fall in as we covered last week. But I am going with my head. I I would think a one-all draw. That's what I'm going with for the game. And I think that'll be a, a half-decent result for us uh, away against Barnsley. It's not an easy place to go, the Oakwell Stadium. So I would take a point, and that is my prediction. Goal scorer, please, Andy. Uh, I'll go Colby Bishop to be goal scorer. I think they'll. Dane Scarlett has basically got a target on his back right now after the last week or so he's had. So I think they'll be putting extra emphasis on defence against him, doubling up and getting in hard. So I'd imagine, you know, in my most basic of football tactics, that that will give Colby Bishop a little bit of extra space to make the most of. Go on, Fred, give us your prediction. 1-0, Owen Dale with a shot from 20 yards, and then we're all off in the pubs afterwards. I also would like to do a like an estimate on Freddie Webb's first chunder of the weekend, if we can estimate a date and time. Hugh, if you'd like to lead on that. Um, I'm going to go with 1am Friday night. Excellent. Or Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, my, my opinion is this, it's it's not... The next day until you've been to sleep. That's how I see things. So, Hugh, Fair enough, you, yeah. well, I did, actually... uh, well, I didn't the last time we were in Sheffield, so we'll see how we go. It wasn't Hugh, if, it's only, if it's only the next day when you fall asleep, Hugh, then presumably for you it's still like the 27th of August or something because you don't sleep too much, right? That's right, mate. Spot on. Nice. Um, for the chundering guess, I'm going with slightly later, I think. Oh, I'm going 2.15 on the, the Friday night, Saturday well, Why morning. do you guys not think I can handle drinks? <laughs> Or is it just that I drink too much anyway, like an idiot, and then throw up? Which one, which one is it? Oh, it's not that you can't handle your booze. Usually, Fred, you're a monster. It's just mm. uh, Andy's put the question out to me. I suppose you yeah. should, I should fire that back over to him as host. I think I think Freddie should give us his estimate for his first chunder of the weekend. <sighs> Saturday night, probably. Oh, then I'll miss it. That's sad. Sunday that's, morning. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why. No, I think we're. I think honestly, you said on the Friday, I think we'll all last it out fine on the Friday and Saturday will be the messiest of messiness because, you know, unlike Matt, for instance, who bottled it on the Friday after the Friday and, you know, that was shocking before the game. I think us lot here will probably manage to to last it out until at least the Saturday night. People listening, let us know if you're going to the game, where you're going to go and have a drink. What are we going to hit up? West Street Live first. Rob, uh, Robbie listens to the show. Pompey News now, Rob, wants to hit West Street Live up again. I know that's a fact. So if we're <laughs> going to do what, if we're going to do what Rob wants us to do, we'll be in Sheffield at West Street Live uh, on the Friday night. Kick off the weekend. Andy, it's been great having your podcast. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me as always, buddy. Looking forward to a, a strong weekend with uh, very few memories. Absolutely. Amazing. Freddie, been great having you on the pod as always. Cheers, guys. Loved it. I will uh, see you in Yorkshire so very soon.
That's it. Keep the seats warm, Freddie. And until next time, Flow Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.